Well, if you've uh, been around this church for some time, then you may have heard said from the pulpit before that in seminary they will tell you that a a congregation will forgive a pastor of many things. We'll forgive a pastor for a poor sermon, at least from time to time. Uh, We'll forgive a pastor for some, maybe something lacking in pastoral care, for an administrative oversight, but never... Never forget Mother's Day. But they don't say anything to us about Father's Day. So I will say, Happy Father's Day. Uh, Dads, we're we're glad to have you here uh, with us. We are thankful for you uh, as a part of God's provision for your families. Now, to be honest with you, as, as many of you know, this is actually a difficult Father's Day for my family. Um, as Heather's father, Bill Ring, passed away this week. And we will be going to Oklahoma City in just a couple of days uh, to care for family and to uh, be a part of his funeral. And we've greatly appreciated your prayer for us and your words of encouragement, your notes of encouragement. uh, And we will continue to need you to pray for us as we grieve this loss. But we have seen God's hand uh, in the midst of it. And we have been reminded time and time again that yes, we grieve. Yes, we mourn. But the Apostle Paul has reminded us again and again in 1 Thessalonians that we do not grieve as those without hope. We do not grieve as those without hope. Yes, we grieve. Whenever someone dies, we grieve because we were not created for death. But we also have hope. We have hope because for those who trust in Jesus, death does not have the final word. We have hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith, the one who carries us home to eternal glory. And the one who also carries us day to day, moment by moment, on this journey that we call life. And so this morning, I would like for us to consider life as journey. Life is journey because we are headed somewhere. Uh, Libby's reminded us of that. See, I worked you in the sermon. Uh, Jay come. He's coming back. He carries us home. But He is with us every moment through this journey of life. And you've heard that said before. It's not just something we say in the church. It's said everywhere. Life is a journey. And think for a moment about the Apostle Paul. I mean, his life was definitely a journey. In fact, his life included three long missionary journeys. Uh, One even longer journey to prison. If you've ever looked at the maps at the back of your your Bible, you can see Paul's missionary journeys. And you know, if they had had frequent flyer miles back in that day, he would have racked up. But this morning, we're going to consider Paul's journey, and my hope is that we will gain a better understanding for our life as journey. And so our text today is Romans chapter 15, uh, verses 14 to 33. Uh, It begins on page 949 of your pew Bible, uh, though the bulk of it is on page 950. Uh, But let's take a moment to pray before we hear God's word. 
Father, we thank you for sustaining us by your word. For breathing life into us through your word. For carrying us and bringing us home through the power of your word. And we come to you this morning, needy people, helpless in and of ourselves, children in need of you, a heavenly Father, to soften our hearts, to open us up to your truths that you would speak into us. We ask that you would do that, and we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. And so hear the word of God from Romans chapter 15, verses 14 through 33. I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers and sisters, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another. But on some points I have written to you very boldly by way of reminder, because of the grace given me by God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God, so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. In Christ Jesus, then, I have reason to be proud of my work for God, for I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience, by word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God. So that from Jerusalem and all the way around to Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. And thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written, those who have never been told of will see him, and those who have never heard will understand. This is the reason why I have so often been hindered from coming to you, but now... Since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, and since I have longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain, and to be helped on my journey there by you, once I have enjoyed your company for a while. At present, however, I am going back to Jerusalem, bringing aid to the saints. For Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem. They were pleased to do it. And indeed, they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings, they ought also to be of service to them in material blessings. When, therefore, I have completed this and have delivered to them what has been collected, I will leave for Spain by way of you. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by our Lord Jesus Christ, And by the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf. That I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea, and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints. So that by God's will, I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. May the the God of peace be with you all. Amen. This is the Word of God. Well, think about taking a cross-continental journey. Uh, I know that some of you have have done that, uh, moving from 
one end of the country or even the continent to another. And in fact, if you know Gene Barr and Dick Turner, they're about to embark on a cross-continental journey, uh, leaving here from Williamsburg, Virginia in just a few weeks, headed all the way through the country driving, mind you, not flying, uh, driving all the way up uh, through the western part of Canada and finally somewhere into the middle of Alaska. We think they're going to return, but we're not sure. But I know that these men are going to take with them at least three items. Of course, they're going to take food, and they're going to take money, and they're going to have clothes, and hopefully some deodorant. Uh, They'll have their automobile uh, that they're driving. But they're going to take at least three additional items. I guarantee they will take a map, and, you know, if they're up to date, it'll be some handheld GPS system. They'll take a friend... Gene is taking Dick, Dick is taking Gene, and they will have a cell phone. So, a map, friend, cell phone. A map for guidance on the journey, and a friend for companionship on the journey, and a cell phone, of course, for connection on the journey. Now, in Romans 15, we learn that the Apostle Paul has the very same resources. A map, friends, and a cell phone. Maybe not exactly a cell phone. But what he does have, and what I hope will help us hear God's word this morning, is he has purpose, partnership, and prayer. Resources for life's journey. Paul needs purpose, partnership, and prayer. Gene and Dick, you and me, we need purpose, partnership, and prayer. And so let's begin this morning as we unpack, uh, as we unpack Romans 15. Uh, let's start with purpose, uh, verses 14 to 22. Uh, this section of Paul's letter reveals his purpose in life. Uh, verses 15 and 16, we see that he is a minister to the Gentiles. Uh, the gospel first being revealed to the Jews, but always in God's plan. Uh, that it would be taken, the gospel would be taken to all peoples, all nations. And we, as the church in Williamsburg, are evidence of that promise and that purpose. Now, Paul is the first missionary uh, to the Gentile world, uh, taking the gospel beyond the Jewish center of Jerusalem where the church started and beginning to take it to the ends of the earth. And then in verses 17 and 18, we see that Paul will only boast in what Christ has accomplished through him. Only boasting in what Christ has accomplished through him. Uh, Do you remember last week as we were wrapping up the series in James, looking at God's rescue mission? Uh, Do you remember Brandon used the illustration of a child who is drowning in the deep end of a pool? And the, the lifeguard jumps in, saves the child, and then what do you as a parent do? You... First, you thank God. Thank you, Lord, for rescuing my child. But you also, and and, and very appropriately, go thank the lifeguard. Thank you for rescuing my child. Now, which one was it? Was it God or was it the lifeguard? It was both. The lifeguard has been a part of God's rescue mission. And that's what Paul is talking about here. He will only boast in what Christ has accomplished through him. On his, God's, rescue mission. And then in verses 20 and 21, uh, we see what many have called Paul's pioneer mission policy. In other words, he will preach the gospel only where Christ is not yet known. 
And so we see that his plan is now, in in verse 24, he is planning to go to Spain, but he's going to do so by way of Rome. So he has finished proclaiming the gospel, planting churches in the east, and now he is ready for the west, and Rome is on the way, and in fact is a gateway to the west, uh, to the ends of the earth. Now clearly, I don't think I have to argue this, but Paul is a man marked by purpose. He is a man on a mission. He is a gospel giant full of passion and energy and vision and action. This former chief church persecutor has been turned chief church planter. A life marked by meaning and purpose. And isn't that something that you and I, isn't that something that we deeply long for? To know that our lives matter, that we have lives of meaning and purpose. And so then we look at the Apostle Paul and and we think, well, well, can I relate to Paul? I mean, can you relate to Paul? This is Paul the super apostle, and I look at him and think, I cannot relate to this guy. He, he is too far out there. He is, he is so godly. He is so great. Now, I realize for many in our theological circles, there's Paul, and then right under Paul, there would be Luther and Calvin and probably Knox and maybe even Billy Graham, even though he's not Presbyterian. Uh, his wife was, though. And so we might think, well, Luther or Calvin or, or Billy Graham, they, they might be able to relate to Paul, but, but not me. But think again. What is Paul doing? He is simply following Jesus. The very thing that Libby talked about, following Jesus wherever he leads her, wherever he leads him, Paul. Speaking of Jesus and his kingdom, as God gives him opportunity, participating in God's redemptive work wherever he is. Paul is simply following Jesus. He does not expect us to be like him. God does not expect us to be like Paul. God does not expect you to be like the person sitting next to you. And that gives us the freedom to be ourselves. Following Jesus wherever He leads us. Now, I've used this illustration before, but think back, elementary school, show and tell. One of the greatest times of the week or the month, depending on how often you had it. But show and tell, what a great thing. Why do we get rid of that as adults? You know, you've got something you're really excited about. You come to the classroom and you show everybody. Check it out. Bet you wish you had it. And then you tell them how great it is, and they all go home, and all the kids then want what you have. Well, the Christian life is really to be an adult version of show and tell. We have a wonderful gift of the gospel, and each of us is called to show and to tell that gospel. But it will look different. That purpose will be lived out in different ways by different people. Our purpose, like Paul, is to simply follow Jesus, participating in his redemptive work wherever he leads us. And it probably, the the way that God is working it out in our lives, it probably won't be as high a profile ministry as Paul. 
or Luther or Calvin or Billy Graham. But I can tell you it will definitely be highly relevant because it is God who is at work in you and through you. You matter, and thus your life has purpose. Now this week, as I have have been thinking about this and reflecting on our church, some folks have come to mind, a whole lot of you, uh, but I'm going to just limit it to a few examples. People that are living with purpose. I think of our deacons. Our deacons are men who live quietly behind the scenes, but serving so faithfully, caring for us as a church body in ways that we don't see, caring for the city of Williamsburg in ways that we don't see, doing it quietly, unsung heroes, but living out the purpose to which God is calling them. I think also of Janet Erkin. Is Janet around today? Yes, there's Janet. I'm going to pick on you for a minute. I think of Janet. Janet's been here, a part of this church, for for many years. And when the church body first moved into this building, uh, the pastor at the time, Tom, went up to Janet and said, we need someone to make coffee for us on Sunday mornings. And Janet said, I'll do it. And she has done it faithfully, morning, Sunday morning after Sunday morning, week after week, month after month, year after year. She is a part of God's redemptive welcome of His redemptive hospitality as people come into this place on Sunday mornings. Now this is also the same woman that when I was interviewing here a couple of years ago apparently said that she had clothes in her closet that are older than I am. I'm not yet sure what she meant by that, but I'll take it as a compliment. Be careful what you say. I think also of Deidre Becker. Uh, Now, if you just started coming to Grace Covenant over the past few months, you probably haven't met Deidre. Uh, Just a few months ago, Deidre moved from her condo into an assisted living home where she is living out her final days. Uh, Deidre is dying. She knows that. She is at peace with that. She lives with joy. Whenever I visit or call her, it's really her caring for me. She is wondering, okay, how's the church doing? Are we reaching Williamsburg with the gospel? I'm praying for you. I'm praying for the congregation. And she does. She prays regularly. And here's someone confined basically to a a very small area, living her last days. And so she is sharing the hope that she has in Jesus with others who are in her same situation of living out their final days, but who don't yet have, have the hope of Jesus. Again, our purpose, like Paul, is to simply follow Jesus. Wherever he leads us, participating in God's redemptive work through whatever doors he opens. Well, let's move on. Let's move from purpose to partnership. Partnership, verses 22 to 32. And the bottom line here, we need each other. We need one another. Deep friendship is not a luxury item. It is an essential if we are to live the lives that God has created us to live. Our God is a God of relationship. And He calls us into relationship, deep relationship with one another. You see, not not only does Paul see Rome as a stepping stone to Spain, 
or a strategic home base for mission to the West, but also, as we uh, can find in verses 23 and 24, verse 32, Paul needs the friendship of fellow believers. He needs life journey partnership from the Christians at Rome. And though Paul did not even plant the church at Rome, he cares deeply for them and prays often for them. He knows them by name. In chapter 16, which we're not going to be getting to, but in chapter 16, the final chapter of Romans, Paul greets 26 people by name in a church that he has never visited and in a church that at this time probably has about 100 people. He knows a quarter of them. And then here in chapter 15, Paul says that he has been longing for many years to see them. He mentions enjoyment, the enjoyment of their company. He speaks of mutual encouragement, that together they may be refreshed. Paul needs life journey partnership from other believers because Paul is not superhuman. I know we like to think of him like that. A legend, the Apostle Paul, the superhero, far beyond anything we could ever relate to. This is a man just like us. At the end of James last week, we read about Elijah, a man just like us. Brian Simpers took us through an adult ed series, Elijah, a man just like us. Paul is a man just like us, broken and needy. In 2 Corinthians, if you've never read 2 Corinthians, wonderful uh, place to learn about Paul's humanity, where he shares his hopes and dreams, his pains, his struggles, his trials. Paul is not a Marlboro Man type of guy who rides out into the sunset alone. He is not a Jack Bauer type of guy, as much as I love the TV show 24. He's not a Jack Bauer type of guy who can save the world on his own. He needs friendship. He needs care. He needs other people. And God has given us each other for the journey. And when we receive from one another and care for one another, we reflect God back to each other. Now, I've heard some of you say, and I am guilty of this too, well, I can, I can care for other people, but receiving their care, that's tough. Because that means I have to admit I have a need. I love Genesis 33.10. I wish I had time to unpack it, but this is a sermon in Romans, not Genesis. But I'll at least share it with you. Genesis 33.10. For to see your face is like seeing the face of God now that you have received me favorably. For to see your face is like seeing the face of God now that you have received me favorably. By grace. And so I ask you, who are your travel partners? Who are your travel partners on this part of the journey? Now, notice I said travel partners, plural. So if you're married, this would definitely include your spouse. Your spouse should be your chief travel partner. But we also need other people to know and love us. We need others outside of our family to know us, to love us. 
If you are lacking travel partners, consider this. Regarding your spouse, consider the summer marriage course that's coming up in just a week and a half. A great opportunity to build that partnership with the person that you are married to. Or regarding others, consider a small group of some kind or a prayer partner. Ask God to provide this gift for you. Go look for it, and He will give it to you. Now, it's risky, I know. But God gives us the grace to lean into that awkwardness of being known by other people. I was thinking of Charlie Cawthon. Uh, It's always good to pick on people when they're not here. But Charlie, and I know that many of you know Charlie and Hazel, uh, they were members of this church for quite some time, very invested here, deep relationships, uh, cared deeply for this congregation and still do, but unfortunately had to to move away from Williamsburg to Richmond uh, just a few months ago. Now, that doesn't keep them away. Charlie still sticks his head in from time to time to make sure we're doing okay. And I know that as, as they were make, getting ready to make their move, uprooting here, getting ready, ready to settle in a new community, Charlie was praying, Lord, would you provide friendships for me and Hazel? Uh, we're older, we, are already, we were already established in Williamsburg, but we're trusting you as you lead us elsewhere. Would you provide relationships for us? And so then one day Brandon and I were having a meeting, and the, Charlie knocks on the door and says, Hey, fellas, it'll only be a minute. Now, you know, Charlie, if, it, if you're, I don't know if he just does this to the young guys. He kind of walks up, he takes you by the elbow, he whispers something encouraging into your ear, pats you on the back, and you just, you've just been filled with the wisdom of Charlie. But he knocks on the door, Brandon and I are ready for the, the, the wise moment of Charlie, and it was. He began to share how God had answered his prayer. Uh, there were several men's morning groups that met at his church. And so Charlie got involved as one, with one of them as it was getting started. Uh, just a handful of guys meeting in the morning. And he began to tell me and Brandon, he said, you know, this is a Bible study, but it's also more than a Bible study. This, God's Word is our launching point into each other's lives. Where we, we learn to care from each, for each other and pray for one another and exhort each other into the world. And he began to share how, how God had abundantly surprised him. And, and, and so he explained that for the first several weeks that this group was meeting, they did get to the Bible study, but for the first several weeks, they would take the first 30 or 40 minutes, and as many men as wanted to could share basically what would be helpful for you to know me. Uh, what, what do you need to know about me so that you can care for me and love me well? And Charlie said sometimes they would get through that half hour. It'd be three guys. They'd share about ten minutes each, and there'd be some depth and other times not so much. And that's okay. It takes time to, to wade into those things. But he said other times there were guys sharing for 20, 30, 40 minutes about their need of Jesus. One guy said, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for him. My marriage was falling apart, and he came after me. He challenged me to fight for my marriage. He called me to repent. He pointed me to Jesus. I wouldn't be here if it, were, if it weren't for him. Other guys were beginning to share about their struggles with various sins. One guy shared about his, his struggle with pornography and said, I need you men to care for me, to help me, to carry me. 
And so what was happening? Honesty. Vulnerability. Exhortation of one another. Acceptance and embrace. These men are being known and loved. They are both known and loved. And when we are not deeply known by others, we are missing out on the depths of love that God has for us to experience. Again, God has given us each other for the journey. And we may not all be able to rush into it like some of these men in Charlie's group. We may be like some of those that can only share a few minutes at a time. But we take a step of faith by grace, trusting Jesus to meet us, trusting Jesus to open us up to hope and healing that is found in the relationships and the partnership that he provides for us. So finally, let's move from partnership to prayer. Prayer, verses 30 to 32, and let me reread those verses for us. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, and and the word here in the Greek, it's a a familial term uh, referring to siblings in a family. There's a footnote if you're using the Pew Bible on the previous page, but it it refers to brothers and sisters in a family. So I plead to you, Paul writing again, I plead to you, brothers and sisters, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf that I may be delivered from the rebellious unbelievers in Judea, and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints, so that by God's will I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. May the God of peace be with you all. Amen. Well, in these verses, we see that prayer is actually an extension of partnership. It is partnership going deeper. Paul says in the opening of his letter that he constantly remembers the Roman Christians in prayer at all times. And again, this is evident by the fact that Paul names 26 of them in the next chapter. Paul knows them and Paul prays for them. And now, Paul asks them to pray for him. And I appreciate the way that the NIV translates this. Join me in my struggle... Join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. And literally, the most literal translation here, agonize with me. Agonize with me by praying to God for me. Life is tough. I'm struggling. Would you wrestle it out with me and for me by praying? Because you see, prayer is real, active, Cosmic, spiritual participation in God's redemptive work because God has ordained it so. Prayer can be an intense, divine effort in partnership, upholding others to the giver and sustainer of life. Now think back for a moment to the Gospels. You're familiar with the story where Jesus heals the paralytic. This paralyzed man has friends who carry him on a stretcher to Jesus. Cut a hole in the top of this house and lower him right before Jesus. Brothers and sisters, through prayer, we can be stretcher bearers for one another. 
carrying each other to the Savior for hope and healing. Paul pleads, join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. Agonize with me by praying to God for me. So not only are we to pray for others, but we are also to ask for prayer from others. Are you asking others to pray for you? Ask. Ask to be prayed for. And so when we pray, why are our prayers effective? Why are our prayers in Jesus effective? Well, let me conclude by returning to James. In James chapter 5, we read, this is verse 16, Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. The prayer of a righteous person. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And so we scratch our heads and say, well, how can that be? I'm not a righteous person. I, I stumble and fall. I struggle with sin. If people really knew me, if they could really see who I am, they would see that I'm not righteous. But friends, remember the gospel. Remember the good news that for those who have put their trust in Jesus, who have trusted in His work on the cross for the forgiveness of sin, and for reconciliation with God, We are clothed in the righteousness of Christ. The Father has run to us and thrown the best robe around us. We are given Christ's righteousness. And thus we are righteous in Christ. And the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. If you have put your trust in Jesus through Him, your prayers are powerful and effective. And so we pray for others. And we ask them to pray for us. Prayer, again, an extension of true partnership by the power of God's Spirit who is at work in us. So, purpose, partnership, prayer. Paul needs them. We need them. Resources for the journey of life. And God gives them. Thanks be to God. Amen.